tell them here and let them be. Well, I got something deep inside of me. I can't hide it anymore. It needs to be so free. There's no time to let this tale get old. No, no, no. It's the best. Welcome to the show. My guest is a writer-director and someone I've known f- in that capacity for, for a bit. Uh, this is Ringo Lay. Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is Ringo again. Um, how are you, David? I'm good. So this is interesting because um, the I don't know if you know this, but the first screenwriting class I ever took in my whole life, you were in. Oh, right. Was that Quentin's? Yeah. Quentin Lee's? Yeah. And so I find it really cool that, like, we kept in touch since, you know? And I'm not going to mention how long ago that was because that'll make us feel really ancient. But, (laughs) you know, like, you don't expect to keep in touch with um, someone you had a screenwriting class with many, many years later. And also the teacher, Quentin, Mm -hmm. shout out to Quentin Lee, uh, filmmaker extraordinaire you know we all kind of keep in touch in different ways now and i don't don't know if this relates to the story you're going to tell because we didn't really touch on it but since that time i've seen you do two features and now you're going into your third Mm -hmm. Uh, i guess i wanted to ask before you kind of launch into your story what you know how how have you seen yourself evolve as a film director uh being coming up on your third feature for anyone who's just trying to make their first that might be listening to this, mm-hmm. you know, what could they expect when they get to the first and then they're on to their next one? You know, maybe, maybe yeah. it's not even a feature. It's just like a short or like onto the next short or, you know, they're building their kind of catalog of mm-hmm. art, yeah. you know, visual art. Um, yeah. How do you, how have you seen your evolution? My evolution as an artist? Well, I think, that as an artist you always try to come from a pure place and a pure intention and um for me um i don't know i always wanted to be a filmmaker because i I think like having a voice and having um something to say and having agency over your own experience is very important to me um right so i think like as a minority in the United States, you can't help but want to have a voice, you know? And if you don't have a voice, then then that's when you get silenced. But if you have a voice and you don't use it, I think that's the greatest tragedy of all, is not using the voice that, that you were given. And you can't complain if you don't use your voice, you know? If you don't voice your opinion or your, your experiences. And... Um, it's also like my navigating being Vietnamese American, I yeah. think. Yes. I think like filmmaking is a way for me to navigate the Vietnamese American experience and um what it means yeah. to be Vietnamese American. And um I think like my first film um it was just like everything came together so fast and like all the elements came together and I made movie stars of, of those two 
young green actors that you know are now big and probably don't remember me anymore <laughs> oh that's not true <laughs> um well it kind of isn't true actually because yeah one of them reminded me that she still remembers me um <laughs> that's <good>. okay <laughs> but um i think i think it's the evolution of an artist because with saigon love story it just like put me on the map in the vietnamese community so prominently like straight out there and like all of the like big vietnamese pop stars knew about me and started wanting to like gravitate towards you you know you can tell yeah. like when things are changing when like those those like um big vietnamese stars like nam binh hung and mi tam and stuff like start noticing you and like yeah start wanting to um work with you and stuff so it like kind of changed but then like at the same time you are vietnamese americans so you have this american side and so i after saigon love story it was like easy to jump back in but i was like wow that was that was an experience and it was tiring and it was grueling it was like two years one year in vietnam six months in thailand and then like going on the road to promote it and then so the second film i wanted to to try the american experience and i did big gay love and i mean even if you saw the movie which i think you did you saw I, it in palm springs right? i did yeah i was i actually was gonna i mean i think you just nicely segued it yourself i was gonna ask like given that experience with saigon love story and being kind of immersed in the vietnamese american and vietnamese in vietnam community of, of art uh your second film is in some ways a departure from that whole world yeah yeah completely yeah uh, so i was gonna ask oh you know what yeah how, how well how did you decide like i wanted to do this film as my second i wanted to do that film as my second because i was close with quentin our screenwriting instructor and um he was itching to produce and i was like wanting to do like a super low budget um gay film um because i wanted to um talk about you know some of the stuff that that happens in the gay community which is like in america and totally different from the vietnamese community yeah um but like at that time it was like gay marriage was in the supreme court not yet had passed and mm. there were a lot of issues that were were going on that i thought wow i'm at the precipice of of this place you know and i wanted to to experiment and and see like where i can go with that and that was like that year like also like actors started gravitating towards me you know like you can feel that gravitational force i don't know how to explain it but it's like a snowball effect yeah like when you start something and then like actors want to gravitate towards you and then like people start wanting to work with you and it just snowballs into that thing um so like i always feel like films have a life of its own okay yeah. um like if you can feel that gravitational force kind of like star wars Right. Then you know, like, that film is going to take off, that it's going to happen. Um, because it doesn't always happen, you know? Yes. Um, because sometimes you can want something for so long, and then, like, it just, like, nudges it along, but it doesn't get you there. So I feel like the universe is telling you you're not ready, or that product is not ready at this time. Um, but when the product is ready, like, everything comes into place. Okay. So you know i guess you've 
it sounds like you, you know your evolution is finding and using your voice uh which i think leads us to you telling us a story you've never told publicly before uh using your voice on the podcast platform so uh if you're ready to share well, yes. <laughs> what is the story that I've never told before? I think the story I never told before was that my my new script, My Vietnam, which was previously called Our Time to Nirvana, was actually um, it's actually the most autobiographical thing I've ever written. Oh, okay. Because um, it's about my family experiencing my dad's death, mm. um, and to be Vietnamese American and to come from a Vietnamese family and to experience death in in the family and having it change you completely and not knowing where you're going, I thought was like a very scary place to write from. Yeah. But I did it anyways. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, actually after Big A Love, the Sundance Film Festival um, screenwriting lab reached out to me personally. (laughs) They were like, what do you have next? We want to hear from you. And then I was like, oh my God, I don't have anything. I better write something soon, you know? And then Uh, like, my dad passed away the week, the same week that the DVD for my last film, Big A Love, came out. And um, that totally like broke me and it changed me. And it's... And I saw the world so differently yeah. because sometimes like, yeah. you know, your parents protect you and they're kind of like a shelter, a force field against the whole world. Yeah. But now, you know, like that force field is gone and you have to deal with people directly and it changes your perception. Um, can I ask if your father was sick or was it sudden? Or? It was sudden. He just, um, oh gosh, he was well and then he had an aneurysm and then like that in a flash. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That I feel like that sort of changes like, yeah. And he was 61, you know, and I always thought like we had, we are Vietnamese refugees. We came to this country in a very hard knock kind of way. And it wasn't like not everything was given to us. So I thought, well, at least one of the things that God could give it to, to us was like, longevity in the family but then like something like this just like breaks you because it's like all of a sudden your father dies and you are be beholden to be tasked to become the father figure for that family because everyone else because i'm the eldest Uh. and everyone else is like kind of um disoriented and broken and heartbroken and it's so sudden yeah and my mom was like she didn't know how to get herself together and all my siblings you know like my sister was just starting a job and then my youngest brother was like his last semester in college okay and um they didn't know how to like navigate all that so i had to navigate with them while um preparing for the funeral and a new life a new life without all of that um, shelter that we we had grown up with. Yeah, and uh, you were, I'm assuming, in Los Angeles? I was in Los Angeles, and my father was in San Jose. Uh, So you had to... So I drove in the night 
for six hours in the fog on the five. I couldn't even see like 20 feet in front of me because it was like midnight. And I didn't get there until 6 a.m. And it was rainy and foggy. And it was like so crazy because I couldn't, you can't even catch a red eye because like, you know, nothing happens until the next morning. So you're driving there and you're like, shit, am I going to get there in time? And and then you're dealing obviously with tremendous grief and emotions and stuff as well, right? To have to do this drive to see your family, your I mean your your mother, yeah. your, your siblings. Yeah. Um, so it became a writing piece for me, a writing exercise. So it's like <laughs> journaling, except it's screenwriting. Yeah, I guess like maybe kind of walk us through. You know, sure in screenwriting, people do access personal stories. Uh, but there are times there are certain stories you don't touch, you know, because right. they're too personal or you're like, I just can't go there um, yeah. well, artistically. Um, maybe how, how did you kind of draw? Um, how did you kind of take this tragedy and decide, like, you know what, I, I'm going to write about it? Um, I took this tragedy and I said that this needs to have a voice because I thought that I thought that the Vietnamese American community needs this because I think like our experiences as refugees coming over here and like making a new and pretending like everything's all right and it's always like you said like in media and TV everything's always aspirational especially for Asian Americans and like everyone's well off and happy in like material luxury goods. But at the same time, like they don't deal with their emotions, (laughs) you know, like being Vietnamese, you don't kind of like sweep it under the rug and don't talk about it. Um, Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, at least in my own experience, you know, uh, my parents surviving the Vietnam war, it's like, they don't want to bring that upon their children because yeah. it's incredibly traumatic and I could only imagine what that could even be like. Like I can't even fathom literally, you know, everything around you is being torn up, destroyed, uncertainty. And then you have to flee as a political, you know, flee for asylum somewhere else and then start a whole anew. And you don't necessarily want to like relive those things. Yeah. Uh, and so you end up not talking about it because mm-hmm. sometimes, I mean, here and there, people ask, like, oh, what is it like to have parents grow up in the Vietnam War? I was like, I don't really know, because they don't say much. Like, I can tell you that. Like, it's they just don't talk about that much. Yeah. Or you can tell it, it, it hits a point, and they're like, they're not going to go further with that story. Yeah. Like, oh, yes, yes, your dad was a soldier, and it yeah. kind of stopped. Oh, yes, he lost. And there's always yeah. this, like, aspirational aspect about living, you know? It's like luxury goods and having material things and like acquiring 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 but then like you don't you realize after a while you don't really know your own parents and you don't know why they do the things they do you know and want to peel back the layer and and find out why they do the things they do um yeah I, i feel like the vietnamese american community does have a lot of unspoken psychological damage from being refugees from the Vietnam War that we don't address. Sure. And I kind of address that in the film. <laughs> okay. So, um, so like that's how, very deep that I haven't told anyone. Yeah. How, I mean, how did you get to that? I guess like, uh, if we, if you, if we are, if we just covered this, I apologize, but how do you, how did you get to that point of like, 
I'm for sure going to do this as my next like feature. Because uh, your your second one is a comedy. Yeah. And, and like uh, more more on the lighthearted tone, mm-hmm. right? And so were you planning, like I guess before this happened, were you planning to write something else as your next feature? And then, you know, obviously you have... Yeah, I did. Okay. Actually, um, Sundance asked me twice and rejected me twice. So don't be... Um, <laughs> Don't be disheartened if they ask you for something and then just on, only end up rejecting you because it happened to me twice. But, um, yeah, the first time they asked me, I wrote, like, this big, splashy martial arts film because I love the martial arts genre, you know? Okay. And um, I was like, oh, my God, there's no way in hell this is going to get made unless, like, some big financing comes in. Yeah. Um and then they read it. They're like, uh, this is not a Sundance product because it's so big and grand in scope, you know? And so yeah, yeah. I had to, I was like, okay, they're asking me, do I have something else? So second year, I should write something smaller, something within my scope, something that I could do with like a dollar in my pocket, you know? Yeah. And this would be it. This would be like me getting an, an ensemble of actors in a house and just like, writing my heart out and having the actors go at it. And this is what it would be. Um, I guess, yeah, this is, uh, I guess we're getting into a little bit of the process of a screenwriter a little bit now. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I guess kind of you talking about your, your, my Vietnam movie actually being about your, your father yeah, uh, and your life. Um, did you, when you started writing, did you, totally fictionalize the characters make them different names different personalities that kind of thing to yes okay yes i did in the beginning it was just like the first draft is always the barf draft anyways um because i feel like the first draft is always like you hiding yourself okay from yeah. yourself oh um, okay yeah and you actually have to peel that back and say what is it that i want to say if i had no no um safety net what do i want to say you know and it didn't take it took me until like the third or fourth draft that i really found what it is that i wanted to say um because the first two are always like gonna be like kind of surfacey kind of like um you want to to make like a pretty polished product but this one is very different it doesn't come from a pretty because i think like my last films are like trying to want to be pretty polished products and this is like totally different Uh this is like um it would be like cinema verite or like a documentary style where i would just like follow the actors and like have them go loose at each other right Um, okay so i think like it's the complete opposite end of, of everything that has been made in the Asian American canon in the last decade. Um, because except for maybe searching, which I loved a lot, but even that, like I felt like the premise was like very plot driven and very like, um, Hollywood where it, it, it was like a a mystery thriller. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It, it had, I I do love that film too. I do. Yeah. Uh, but you, you could say, without ruffling feathers that it there's a genre element to it yeah. you know and it follows a certain thriller style but you know there's great heart in that story yeah. but but yeah like as far as like you know 
you, you could classify that as like a thriller and it mm-hmm. has some more traditional thriller, thriller moments. Yeah. Um, now, now knowing that this movie, you know, is based on your father, how, how, when you were writing, how did you kind of keep from not like crying or breaking down or, or did you? Oh, yeah. I did. I cried a lot. Okay. Just even listening to like pre-1975 music while writing mm-hmm. Vietnamese music, pre-19... 75 war music in Vietnam is like beautiful. And then um, I just felt like, you know, certain things come into your life. Like that last year when I was researching to see like um, how I was going to make it. And then I I met um, songwriter Lam Phuong, who is one of the last um, Vietnam war composers that is still alive and he lives in Orange County and then mm. he said I could use his entire catalog of songs if I wanted to for the film I was like wow oh, that's cool like you need to kind of you know open yourself up so people like that can come into your life you know yeah I mean and so you kind of you know you accessed all these kind of very deep emotions yeah and then told the story um did, did, well, I guess like sometimes it's, you know, how do, how do you, I guess, how do you keep, how did you keep the story? How, how are you keeping the story kind of true to these emotions or this experience as I, opposed to like I know. turning it into a movie, right? Yeah. At some point, perhaps you are like, well, I just need to make a good movie mm-hmm. that entertains. And then maybe you take liberties with mm-hmm. things that actually happened or, or, or well, that actual emotion isn't, or scene isn't gonna work, quote unquote, even though it really happened. Or, like, how do you, how do you balance telling a story true to kind of, you know, your your loss and your grieving, and just making it like an entertaining movie? Like, how how I don't how know you... it's gonna fully be entertaining. I hope it is, but um. I don't know. There were three movies that really changed me in the 2010s. And the first one was my friend Apicha Pong's um, Uncle Bume, who can recall his past lives. And um, when I texted him in 2010 saying, oh, I really want to go to the Cannes Film Festival. But then I I never end up going. And that year in 2010, he ended up winning the Palme d'Or. And yeah. his movies are so original and so different and so out there. I just respect that so much, you know, like to make these small budget films, but then like to win the highest prize at the Cannes Film Festival, I think is like more, more praiseworthy and more respect, respectful for yeah. me yeah. than um, even the Oscar. Because I know all the politics of all this, you know, industry. So... I'm like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Um, but the other two films are Moonlight, which I really love. And that came from a pure place, I think. And that was done for like a million dollars. And I just thought, wow, this this was like working yeah. without a safety net. It was gay. It was black. It was hard. It was like everything that this industry probably doesn't want to tell you to make, you know? Yeah, I mean that movie is also slow. Yeah, not in a bad way. I'm just saying the pacing is yeah. not the Avengers. Yeah, you know, and so and it requires you to be very invested. 
you know? Yeah. Whereas a lot of glossy pictures are just like, oh, look at the pretty images go by and then, oh, it's done. We're done with that picture. But films like that, that like make you really invested. I've just thought, oh my God, those, those films are amazing. So that's the kind of place I want this film to come from. Okay. It's like very, um, very deep and dark and it like opens you up. Um, yeah in ways that that you never expect and i think like it's also the opening up of of the vietnamese american experience because everything that's vietnamese american is just like you know those musical variety shows and they're all like glossy <laughs> and fake and and it's time that we move beyond that i think yeah uh, so it's like it sounds like you know however however the wherever the story leads you it's going to be the movie that you're making like yeah. you're not necessarily thinking oh i gotta throw in this character or that character in order to secure money whatever you're you're more kind of staying focused on like the artistic yes. side of it just whatever happens to this story is how we're gonna make it yes okay cool it's whatever um by whichever means possible <laughs> i'm gonna make this film because it you know, it was uh, rejected by Sundance and then it got into the Cannes um, Film um, Development Lab. And oh, like, cool. That was last year when I went to Cannes for it. And like, it was a huge learning experience from like watching my my friend, you know, getting his films into Cannes. And then last year, having been in Cannes and seeing all that, it's like a huge learning curve. And just seeing that, um, there is still a space for you to make film your own way for your own audience and your own uh, process. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very important because like we're always like driven towards like what everybody else is doing and what Hollywood is doing and what, you know, what is selling. And that's not necessarily true to, to what your voice is. So I think at the end of the day, you have to take a huge assessment of what your voice is and what you want to say. And this is my, my voice and my, my discussion that I want to start with the Vietnamese American community mm -hmm. about the psychological damage that has been done onto us and how we can undo all of that. And I feel like that's never been said before. And it's, it doesn't have to be like glossy and aspirational. It's very deep and dark and it takes you into places that you never thought <laughs> a film could go. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great. I mean, that's great to hear because, you know, one of my, you know, criticisms of Asian American products is sometimes it feels like you don't get that many chances and shots and then you have to, it has to be a certain way. Yeah. Uh, and there's no room for something that is bringing a different perspective to the table. Uh, so that, I mean, that's cool that like you're, you're pushing for like a different perspective uh, and trying to just get that out there. Cause I think that's equally as valuable as having like a crazy rich Asians succeed. Oh yeah. You know, it, it's it, That's great. Cause that means, there perhaps will be more films that will feature, you know, Asian American artists and, and stuff like that, but also maybe allow for the, the, the other perspectives to come through. Yeah. As well. You should um, allow for the other perspective of being like at a place of, of tragedy at a place where, you know, your community doesn't, doesn't have much resources or much, um, 
places for you to go to grieve and maybe even especially within the Vietnamese community like there's so much poverty and there's so much like lacking of uh, resources not just monetarily but also like psychological resources mm -hmm. of like talking to each other um, that's lacking and we never get to talk about that and I want to talk about that you know so uh, yeah I mean just kind of just to wrap up I, I, I think we spent kind of this episode uh, basically kind of talking about your voice artistic voice and yes. how, and it's sort of how it's evolved I mean it kind of happened organically it's not like we planned for this to happen but kind of your evolution of you know uh, how you've kind of you know gone through through the years um so how i guess how do you how do you feel kind of sharing that this movie you're about to make is like actually very very personal um i think at the end of the day the only person you can be is yourself because you can try to be all these things like saigon love story it was like I started with my mentorship with Bill Condon and that was like the whole movie musical aspect. And I was like aspirational towards that. And then big gay love was aspirational towards like, um, you know, towards, um, big comedies. Cause my friend was just in bridesmaids at that time. And I was like, Oh, I want to make a comedy, you know, but then address like gay issues as well. And I guess this third one is like, taking out that safety net and taking out, um, putting aside all of whoever's doing what and whatever, whoever is famous, I don't care anymore because I'm at a place where I can't care. <laughs> right. I can care less because like so much is on the line for me as a human being that I want to just be an authentic person and um, advocate for authentic voices that I don't want to to copy or emulate anyone anymore because at the end of the day you can pretend to be other people but at the end of the day you have to sit with yourself at the end of the night and face a blank page and start writing and the 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 most gratifying place to write from is is truth well uh i, mean, I think that's a good way to to end uh yeah speak your truth write your truth uh be artists if you're an artist uh, but thanks. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, David Ngo. I've known <laughs> you forever. Yeah. Yeah. You say my last name correctly, <laughs> <laughs> which is cool. I mean, I don't, I don't begrudge anyone who doesn't, but, but yeah, thanks for being on the show and, uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Hey, if you'd like to know when our next new episode comes in, it's easy. You can subscribe for best story I never told. That's right. On iTunes, Spotify, Google play or Stitcher.